my first conference is is on the necessity of mental prayer. Okay. Uh, as I t as I have told you, I've never used any of these conferences before, but I did use some excerpts from them in order to encourage the retreats earlier. And the first one's on the necessity of mental prayer. Meditation enlightens the mind. Without mental prayer, the soul is without light. St. Augustine says that those who keep their eyes shut cannot see their way home, cannot see their way to their country, was the exact word he used. We have to open up our eyes in order to see truths. And God is so good that we can even conclude his existence by opening up our physical eyes and seeing the beauty of, of creation around us, how it works. The eternal truths are all spiritual things that are seen not with bodily eyes, but with the eyes of the mind. They are seen by reflection. They are seen by consideration. Those who do not make mental prayer do not see the truths. Neither do they see the importance of salvation, of eternal salvation, the importance of saving their souls. And they do not see what is necessary to achieve that, to obtain it, salvation. The loss of so many souls, which Our Lady lamented at Fatima and elsewhere, the loss of so many souls arise from the neglect of people considering their salvation and what it takes in order to save oneself. We read from Scripture, with desolation, all the land is made desolate because there are none who consider in their hearts. Consider what? They don't consider what is necessary for salvation. On the other hand, our Lord says, He who keeps before his eyes the truths of faith, death, judgment, heaven and hell, shall never fall into sin. We have temptations which keep pulling us down. Think of hell. Think of judgment. Think of heaven. Think of eternity. Scripture says it very beautifully. Draw near to God and you shall be enlightened. St. Bonaventure, he's taken the words from Scripture's lamps burning in your hands. And he says, these are holy meditations. You may say, you say, I don't know how to meditate. I've never been taught how to meditate. Meditation is not hard. It is a process. It's a process where you pick a subject. Think of St. Joan of Arc. Think of the hot weather you just had. Think of the skirt that she had on, the mail that she wore to reflect the arrows and things like that, the armor. She slept in it. As an act of modesty, she slept in her armor so that she would not be a temptation to the men. Think of the voices that she heard. St. Michael, St. Catherine. Think of her doubting God's command. Think of her in prison. There's plenty. Just take three parts of St. Joan of Arc. Think about it. Apply it to yourself. And then make a resolution, and then thank God 
for the graces that he's given you, that's meditation. You can do that on any number of things. Purgatory, hell, heaven, the beauty of, of heaven, a soul going to heaven, meeting the Blessed Virgin Mary, being taken to our Lord. Draw near to God and you shall be enlightened. St. Bonaventure, speaking of those lamps, says that it is meditation. He goes on to say that prayer is, as it were, a mirror in which we see the soul, the stains of the soul, the beauty of the soul. St. Teresa, the child Jesus, says, although it appears to us that we have no imperfections, we're all perfect, you know, Still, when God opens the eyes of the soul, as he usually does in prayer, our imperfections then become very apparent to us. They're clearly seen, were her words. One who does not make mental prayer does not know his defects. Can you imagine a general leading an army without knowing what the opposing army is doing? without knowing the strengths and the weaknesses of his own men, his own armaments and things. Because one does not make mental prayer, he does not know his sins. St. Bernard says he has not the ability to detest or abhor them. And we have to abhor our sins. One who does not practice mental prayer does not know the dangers that he is exposing his soul to, the dangers to eternal salvation. And therefore, if he doesn't know the dangers, he's not afraid. Is a kid afraid of a mouse? Is a, I'm talking a little baby. They'll pet, is it afraid of a hot stove? They'll put their hands right on it. They're afraid of nothing. They learn to be afraid. You have to teach them. Parents have to teach their kids as they reach for the stove, grab the hand, no, no, hot. Smack the hand, don't do that, whatever. You have to make them afraid of touching that because you don't want them to experience the heat of an oven, of a stove, of a piece of iron. But he who applies himself to meditation instantly sees his faults instantly sees the dangers to perdition and seeing them knowing them reflecting upon them he will seek remedies for them by meditating on eternity king david was excited to the practice of the virtues and he was excited to the sorrow for his sins he committed some big ones king david probably bigger than what you've committed but he was excited to hate them. He was excited to the practice of virtue and the sorrow and works of penance for his sins. When the soul, like a turtle dove, retires and reflects, recollects itself in meditation to converse with God, it then flowers. The turtle dove is, is a solitary bird. We have geese here. Father Jenkins doesn't like the geese. I love them. I love birds. 
the geese return year after year after year together. Together. They're quite faithful, more faithful than humans at times. The geese return, but they're solitary other than that. The turtle dove is a solitary bird. Yes, they fly together in pairs, but they usually nest away from other birds. Okay? The soul must be like that. It must flee the world in order to converse with God. When it does flee the world, it begins to blossom, to flower. Meditation regulates the affections and it directs the actions and corrects our defects. Meditation disposes the heart to produce virtue, to the practice of virtue. Without meditation, there's no strength to resist the temptations of our enemies. There is no strength to practice the virtues of Christian life without meditation, says St. Alphonsus de la Grey. Meditation is like fire with regards to iron. When iron is cold, it's hard, and it is bent with great difficulty. But placed in the fire, it becomes soft, and you can form it into any desired image you wish. To observe the divine precepts and counsels, it's necessary to have a tender heart, to have a heart that is docile. Docile comes from the Latin word doceo, which means I teach, or docere to teach. Someone is docile if they're easily teachable, if they receive the information without resistance. A heart docile and prepared to receive impressions of inspiration and one that obeys is one that reflects upon God. The wisdom of Solomon caused him to ask Almighty God, give therefore to thy servant an understanding heart. Sin makes the heart hard. It makes the heart indocile. That's the word used. I presume that's a word. For being altogether inclined to sensual pleasures, it resists the law of the Spirit. We read in Scripture that there are two, two uh, armies warring in us, the carnal and the spiritual. And meditation helps us to strengthen our spiritual muscles, so to speak, against the law of the flesh. Man becomes docile and, and tender to the influence of grace when he practices mental prayer. And by the contemplation of divine goodness, the great love which God has bestowed upon man is inflamed in that man. His heart is softened and he is made obedient. Reminds me of the little boy that heard, heard his name called three times. 
he was told by the prophet or the priest, next time you hear, say, yes, Lord, here I am. What do you will? What is thy will? But without mental prayer, one's heart remains hard and disobedient and thus will be lost. Scripture says, a hard heart shall fare evil at the last. You're layman. I'm a priest. There are bishops. There are popes. St. Bernard was friends with Pope Eugenius. When Pope Eugenius became Pope, St. Bernard noticed a change in him. He approached his friend and exhorted Pope Eugene never to omit meditation, even on account of external occupations, even because he's a very busy man. Do you remember when Pope Francis became Pope? He said, I'll be doing much less praying now because I'm a busy man. That's the exact opposite course of action. We should be doing more praying. That's what happened to Martin Luther. Martin Luther was in charge of multiple monasteries. He didn't have time to pray the breviary. He didn't have time to pray the Mass. He was an organizer. He was a businessman. St. Bernard said, I fear for you, O Eugene, lest the multitude of affairs may bring you to a hard heart. He said that to the Pope. A heart which abhors it not itself, but because it does not perceive the faults of itself. Some imagine that the long time which devout souls give to prayer, which they could spend in useful works, is unprofitable and a loss of time, the long prayer. Such persons know not that in mental prayer the soul acquires strength to conquer enemies and to practice virtue. We read, from mental prayer strength comes forth. It takes a, the soul takes repose in mental prayer. I, that's why I hope you get some rest these next three days. I hope you just wind down. I hope you let some of the cares of the world just go on by, which is necessary for the spiritual life of the soul. He who does not sleep soon loses the power to walk. He goes tottering a demented old man. The soul that does not repose and acquire strength in meditation is not able to resist temptation and totters around like a demented old man. The devil once was heard boasting by a devout nun. He was boasting that he was able to get another nun to omit her meditation. Because he was able to get another nun to omit her meditation, that nun was in great danger of temptation. The, the, the pious nun prayed for that nun and rescued her from the devil's plan. When we do not meditate, we expose our souls to great danger. I'd be willing to bet and I consider all of you my friends, that some of you feel you've never meditated, and maybe you haven't. 
St. Therese used to say that he who neglects mental prayer doesn't need a devil to carry him to hell. He takes himself to hell with his own hands. The man who omits mental prayer soon becomes either a beast or a devil. These are rather harsh words. Meditation helps you to pray as you should. You might go in church. You might dutifully spend your hour every Sunday. And then when you come out, what did you think of? Mental prayer is simply lifting your mind and heart to God. What did you think of? I can't even remember. The priests get their recreation on Sundays, driving to the airport, asking the driver what it was the sermon about. Okay, I ask that, and half the times I can't even remember what my own sermon was about. God does not grant the divine helps and aid without petition on our part. And because we don't petition God, we don't ask God, and He doesn't grant us helps, we cannot resist or we cannot observe His commandments. <clears throat> he who neglects meditation and is distracted by worldly affairs will not know his spiritual wants, will not know the dangers to which his soul is exposed, will not know the means which he must adapt or adopt to conquer temptation. He will not know even the necessity that he needs to pray. And eventually he will give up the practice of prayer and he will neglect God, the asking of God's grace and he will damn his soul. The Bishop of Palafox, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correct, asked or remarked to St. Teresa one day, how can charity last unless God gives perseverance? And how will the Lord give perseverance if we do not ask for it? And how should we ask for it if we do not practice mental prayer? Without mental prayer, there's no communication with God, which is necessary to persevere or for the preservation of virtue. St. Robert Bellarmine says that for him who neglects meditation, it is morally impossible to live without sin. You're going to fall into sin again and again and again. I once had a conversation with an 80-something-year-old man. He was having difficulty remaining pure all the time. I asked him, when was the last time you attended a retreat? I ain't never attended a retreat. And I thought to myself, well, that's why you're having such great difficulty. You need retreats. We need. I need retreats. We need retreats. The church commands priests to go on retreats every year. The church encourages married couples, couples marrying, to have a retreat before their marriage. Seminarians have a retreat before their ordinations. Some may say, I don't make mental prayer. I say vocal prayers. It's necessary to know 
that to obtain divine grace, it is not enough to pray with the tongue. It is necessary to pray first and foremost with the heart. Some people cry merely with their voices. God desires that we cry with our heart. These are prayers said with willful distractions and inadvertence, and thus God less often answers our weak request. Many say the rosary and perform other works of devotion. They still continue to sin. But it is impossible for he who practices for him who practices mental prayer to continue in sin. It's not impossible to keep saying the rosary and continue in sin because you may not be making the rosary a mental prayer. It might be an act of mechanisms, a mechanical act. It might be just an act of habit. One will either give up meditation or he will renounce sin. One of the two. So if you're having difficulty with sin, make sure you meditate. Mental prayer and sin cannot exist together. They can't coexist. Those who make mental prayer rarely incur the enmity of God. And if they should have the misfortune of falling into sin and they continue their mental prayer, they will see their misery and they will return to God and He will give them grace to return. If the soul perseveres in meditation, the Lord will bring him back to the haven of salvation. Mental prayer is indispensable to attain perfection. All the saints became saints by mental prayer. Mental prayer is that furnace which inflames the love of God in the soul. St. Vincent of Paul, de Paul used to say that it would be a miracle if a sinner who attends the sermons in a mission or the spiritual exercises of retreat were not converted. Were not converted. He who preaches and speaks in the exercises in the retreats only a man, but it is God Himself that speaks to you in your meditations. That's why after the conferences, we ask you to go into the chapel. Those five, ten minutes you spend in there afterwards are a hundred times more important than the time you spend here right now. Because you will talk to God. God will talk to you. St. Catherine of Bologna used to say, He who does not practice mental prayer deprives himself of the bond that unites the soul with God. Thus, the devil finding that soul alone makes easy prey on that individual. Can we conceive that the love of God is found in a soul that cares but very little to treat with, of God with prayer? 
It is in mental prayer that the saints have been inflamed with divine love. By means of mental prayer, St. Peter of Alcantara was so heated up, literally inflamed, that he would, even in the dead of the winter, go run and jump into a nearly frozen pond. And there's cases in his life recorded that the water started bubbling around him. And he was so inflamed with love for God by mental prayer. That's what we should strive for. In mental prayer, St. Philip Neri, he was a jovial saint. He was accused of being too jovial. St. Philip Neri, not serious enough. He was inflamed with such love of God that at times his whole body shook and the whole room that he was in shook. In mental prayer, St. Aloysius Gonzaga, his statues on the epistle side. One of your relatives repainted that, did a beautiful job. Before the face was scary. Now it looks very nice and gentle and pious and devout and close to God. St. Aloysius Gonzaga was so inflamed with divine love that his face appeared to be on fire. And you could hear his heartbeat. And he felt that it was going to leave him. It was beating so much for love of God. By the efficacy of mental prayer, temptations are banished. Virtue is restored. Fervor is excited, which had, been grown, which had grown cold. And the flame of divine love is augmented. Mental prayer does so much. It's like the vitamin C of the spiritual life. It does so much for us. St. Aloysius Gonzaga had justly said that he who does not make much mental prayer will never attain a high degree of perfection. You know King David's sins. You know them. You also know that when he was just a few years younger than our youngest men here, who I'm so proud to see, he was known as a man after God's heart. That's, how, that's his reputation. There goes the man after God's heart. King David says, A man of prayer is like a tree planted by a current of water. It brings forth fruit. All of his actions, the man of prayer, all of his actions prosper before God. St. John Chrysostom, who is rather tough, rather tough, he says that a man of prayer is like a fountain in the middle of a garden. As long as that fountain gushes forth and waters those flowers, they bring forth buds in abundance, fruit in abundance. But when that, that, that fountain stops, when meditation stops, the flowers dry up and die. When a man ceases to practice meditation, he withers. He loses his modesty. He loses his humility. He loses his devotion. 
He loses the desire to mortify himself. He becomes wanting of all these things. He becomes full of pride. And he no longer frequents the sacraments. He will soon be attached to the vanities of the world and to useless pleasures. When a soul abandons meditation, St. John Chrysostom regards it not only as sick, but as dead. The soul who does not pray to God, nor desires, to, it is a soul which does not desire to enjoy divine conversation, that soul is dead. Prayer is the bulwark against the afflictions or the assaults of the devils. Prayer is the procurer of graces. Prayer is the spring of virtues. All your spiritual progress flows from mental prayer, dear men. And he who neglects meditation cannot without a miracle lead a Christian life. Jeremiah of the Old Testament says, a soul cannot have relish for God unless it withdraws from creatures and unless it contemplates the greatness and the goodness and the love of God. As you're doing, as you have done, as you're planning for the next few days, the soul that departs from meditation, meaning the soul that has made a meditation and departs, is much better off than when they began the meditation, when they finish and have completed it. Saint Ignatius Loyola, he and Saint Francis de Sales will be invoked at each conference, they're the giants of the spiritual life. Saint Ignatius Loyola used to say that mental prayer is the short way to perfection. And he who advances most in mental prayer will advance the most in perfection. In mental prayer, the soul is filled with holy thoughts, holy affections, holy desires, and holy resolutions. In mental prayer, man sacrifices his passions, his appetites, his earthly attachments, and his interest of self-love. Only souls enamored with God bring others to God. It's by meditation that the priest is empowered to bring souls to God. Priests can be impotent. They can be powerless because they don't make use of mental prayer themselves. In mental prayer, you sacrifice your passions, your appetites and your earthly interests. In mental prayers, we can also, by the sole desire for them, gain grace. Just as you will be punished for bad intentions or desires, even if you don't commit them. You intend to rob a bank, you're guilty. Our Lord says, he who looks at a woman with lust in his heart hath already committed the sin. On the opposite side of that coin, 
all of your good intentions, even if you don't get them committed, you gain grace. You gain virtue. For as the Lord punishes bad desires, so he rewards all good desires. Just one more page. Consider the ends of mental prayer. Mental prayer unites us to God. It is not so much as good thoughts that unite us to God, but as good operative works, habits, such as charity and such as meditation. St. Therese says acts of love are those that keep the soul inflamed with holy love. The perfection of this love consists in making our will one with that of God. For the chief effect of love is to unite the wills. And that is why some saints believe the Saint Gertrude the Great is the second most holy woman in heaven because she so perfectly from her childhood united her will to that of God. St. Therese says all that he who exercises himself in prayer should aim at is to conform himself to the divine will of God. And in that consists the highest perfection. He who best practices this will receive from God the greatest gifts and will make the greatest progress in the interior life. Many people complain that they pray, but God doesn't answer their prayers. The reason of this is that many people carry with them a heart full of dirt, full of earth. If we wish God to answer our prayers, if we wish to find God, we must empty those hearts of the earth. We must detach ourselves from the creatures of the world, whether it be power, whether it be money, whether it be possessions, whether it be people we give affection to. We just read Sunday, Monday, I don't know when, lest ye hate your mother, father, brother, and sister. That doesn't mean what some people might think. We're commanded to love everybody. That means unless you are detached from them, unless you put God before them, to find God, we must divest ourselves from the things of the earth. In order to find God, we have to at times practice solitude. You have chosen that, dear men. And I appreciate very much that willingness on your part to separate yourself from what you have been with 362 or three other days of this year. The Lord one day said to St. Therese, I would willingly speak to many souls, but the world makes so much noise in their hearts that my voice cannot make itself heard. When a detached, when a soul is engaged in prayer, truly does God speak to it. Truly does that soul understand. Truly does that soul hear the voice of our Lord. The silence of charity says more to God than could be said by the greatest powers of human eloquence. 
Are you convinced? We must meditate in order to obtain from God graces necessary to advance in the spiritual life, the way of salvation, to avoid sin, to make known and to use the means which will lead us to perfection. Almighty God ordinarily does not give grace to any but to those who pray. St. Gregory says, God desires to be entreated. God desires to be constrained. He desires to be, as it were, conquered by you. It's true that at all times our Lord is ready to hear us, but at the time of meditation, when we are most truly in conversation with God, He gives us the desires of our hearts most bountifully. Above all, we should, in meditation, ask God for perseverance in His love. If we cease to pray, God will cease to give us help and we shall perish. Without prayer, there is no communion with God. St. Francis de Sales says in closing that all virtue comes in union with holy love.